Hello, everyone. Welcome to the One Bucket Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Ray. And today we have back rejoining us, Liam Hunley and Alex Campbell. What's going on, guys? What's up? What's going on? Thanks for having us back. Yeah, no problem. Glad basketball's back. So I guess we'll just hop right into it with the initial reactions about the first couple weeks of the bubble play and unexpected team play, unexpected individual uh, individual gameplay. So um, I think the first team slash player we have to acknowledge is the Pacers and TJ Warren. The, the Pacers were not expected to be relevant really in the bubble, especially with Sabonis out. But here we are. They're right now. They're the five seed, um, and TJ Warren through yesterday, his bubble stats were thirty-four points per game, seven rebounds three assists over a block a game and two steals per game. So, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but personally as a Heat fan, I was looking forward to hopefully the Heat matching up with the Pacers first round. Mm-hmm. But now I'm I'm really just scared because TJ Warren's just out here dropping 35 a game like it's nobody's business. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, think you'd be remiss to not mention the fact that the Pacers are also four and one on the back of, on the back of that performance. I mean, he's, yeah, very he's just clearly on another level right now. Like mm-hmm. – <clears throat> excuse me sorry but uh yeah those, those shooting stats are ridiculous um I don't know what it is in particular about the bubble I know a lot of players have been commenting on just like that the different death perception compared to shooting in stadiums has been a real boon for shooters in general um maybe that's why we're seeing people like TJ Warren light it up like Gary Trent light it up um even maybe Michael Porter Jr. light it up I guess I could be playing a factor, but like it has to go beyond that. Like may- maybe, maybe this really is, I mean, TJ Warren was having a great season to begin with yeah. um, compared to what he has done in the past. But I-, I mean, he was traded for cash considerations and now he's dropping 50 in the bubble. So. <laughs> and, yeah, and they and gave just, a second round pick to like offload him. So. Yeah. And just to chime in on the whole bubble setting, I forget who it was, but there was an interview uh, it, was with, it was one of the elite shooters of the NBA. I think like, it was J.J. Reddick. It was J.J. Reddick who said that you're going to see unreal shooting percentages because of how incredibly bright the lighting is in the gym mm-hmm. compared to arenas. And when I first heard that, oh, I thought he was just like blowing smoke and just trying to sound smarter than uh, he actually is. But, I mean, he is one of the best shooters of all time, and I guess I'll trust him if uh, – yeah. Just him, especially based on these results. I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure Devin Booker was asked about it, and he his quote was, "It's a Hooper's gym." So, <laughs> yeah, can't argue with that. So, and then just another thing, just to talk about the Pacers going forward, they're currently tied with the Heat for fourth, actually, and they play tomorrow. It looks like Jimmy Butler's coming back uh-huh. tomorrow, but they, we could be one day from now. Pacers could be a four seed. Um. Sixers lost Simmons for a little bit, so I, I can't imagine the Sixers, who are a half game back of them now, take over them. So there's a legitimate chance, especially because the Heat have also been without Dragic. Kendrick Nunn left the bubble, just rejoined, but has to quarantine. There's a situation where the Pacers are the four seed, which Very without the bonus is uh, <laughs> pretty absurd. Yeah, I mean, one of the bigger storylines coming into the bubble was how much uh, Nate McMillan was reported to be on the hot seat. And I can't. You just can't imagine that being the case anymore with how this team with how this team is playing and really has played over the past what two years as Sabonis and Oladipo have traded major long term injuries going back and forth and they're still just scrapping and finding ways to win basketball games. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I heard, um, I believe it was Zach Lowe talking with Jeff Van Gundy, and they were actually talking about the McMillan scenario. And yeah. he's one of those coaches that just always seems like he's on the hot seat regardless of what um, their team is doing. I guess the Pacers kind of have been a middling team. But if you really look at their roster construction, and this was this is what uh, Jeff Van Gundy was saying, they're, for the most part, always outperforming the talent that they have on their roster. And it feels like the blame shouldn't really be coming back on Nate McMillan like it does. Yeah, I agree with that assessment. Yeah, I mean, they have a bunch of B-plus players. Like, Sabonis was an all-star this year. I mean, Sabonis going forward could turn into – I mean, could get even better. But in reality, like, the other top five teams in the East, I mean, they, they have they have clear-cut number one guys, whether it's Giannis, Siakam – Tatum or Kemba, Jimmy Butler, like Oladipo before the injury, maybe could have put in that category, but in Sabonis going forward, maybe he has a chance to be that, but I feel like Pacers just with Brogdon, with Warren, with Miles Turner, it's just like a bunch of B plus guys. And that really doesn't spell success in the playoffs. That usually gets you a five or six seed. Yeah. And you get outs in the first round. Mm. I mean, the Pacers in, the, in LeBron's last year in, um, in Cleveland came really, really close to ousting the Cavs in the first round. That that was a really precarious series for Cleveland. It's always so weird with um with head coaching changes, like like the timing and just like trying to decide what's right. Because like if you look at the Raptors specifically, as is the anecdote I'm gonna be drawing on, Dwayne Casey won coach of the year in the 2017-18 season and was fired in the offseason, replaced with Nick Nurse, and then they won the title. Obviously, the Kawhi Leonard entry did a lot to kind of facilitate that as well as the emergence of Pascal Siakam. But, I mean, Nick Nurse has takes has to take a lot of credit for that. And He's a damn good coach. Yeah, and, and I mean, at the time, no one, as far as I remember, thought that firing the right, literally someone who won coach of the year weeks prior – would, would be a good idea. But, I mean, sometimes it just works out. And, like, even though the team is overperforming right now, maybe they could be better. Maybe the talent actually is better than people think. Mm. I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, I go, I go back and forth. Like, I was very high on Miles Turner, uh, Miles Turner for – Oh, yeah. Up until, like, last year. But this past season, just – I think he – I don't know his exact stats, but I'm pretty sure he regressed a little bit. And I think the advanced stats suggest he's a liability on defense or sometimes he's just lazy. Yeah. Um, so I don't know about him going forward. I mean, I love Sabonis. If Old Depot goes back to being fully healthy, I mean, I do, I do like this team going forward, especially because the, the East really, I mean, the the top six teams in the East are probably going to be the top six teams aside from the Nets going forward for the next couple of years. I mean, there's no one else. Maybe, maybe the Hawks or the Bulls, but I'm not comfortable there's, yeah, there's saying a lot of that other those variables are, that would have to like, so, like something yeah. would have to happen. So I mean the pay. I mean the Pacers have a nice team going forward, and I mean it would just be interesting to see how TJ Warren does in the playoffs, it's, um, just along with the rest of the Pacers. It's sort of unrelated, but it's kind of funny to see how the Paul George trade has worked out for basically everyone involved. All all involved parties really benefited from that trade. Like Sabonis has turned into a really damn good player for the Pacers. Old Depot is obviously Old Depot, <laughs> and then the Thunder flipped. Paul George into SGA and nine trillion first round picks and Paul George is now yeah. competing for a championship. So yeah. I, I would say that I would say that all parties involved in that trade are happy now. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I agree. All right. So um, one thing we were discussing earlier um, when I had you guys on the podcast a few months ago when we were 
just thinking about what NBA play would look like if it ever returned. And we talked about how the, the teams we thought would be successful would be the teams with the, the top tier players because some teams just wouldn't be as cohesive and usually the top tier players start off the fastest. And so we thought like the Lakers, the Bucks would, the Clippers would really excel in this. And it, it, it's interesting to see so far through the bubble that, that that's just not the case. I, I mean, there have been individual player performances that have led teams to being very successful, like TJ Warren, we just mentioned, but it's the unexpected players. And we have right. teams like the Suns, who are the only undefeated team in the bubble. Um, yeah. And we have, we have teams like the Lakers who have struggled. Um, yeah. What are the, just, what are the Lakers record in the bubble now? Are they two and four, two and three? Uh, um, Either way, it has to look great. I saw that yeah, Anthony Davis the... had um, two single-digit games in the bubble, which yeah. is pretty unheard of for Anthony Davis. Um, and, yeah, we're seeing teams like the Spurs play pretty well. The Blazers really surged. The Suns are undefeated. The Thunder have been playing well. Um, the Pacers, obviously. And, and that's definitely carried by T.J. Warren being a man on fire. But uh, it really is like we, we did come to a consensus agreement back when we were on the podcast for, for the debut episode. And we, we thought it would be the Lakers, the Celtics, the Sixers that would would get off to the hot starts and excel in a, a scenario like this. Can but it really has been. Yeah, it really has been the teams with better cohesion and better chemistry. Like like, for example, the Raptors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the Raptors look great right now. It's really hard to knock uh, what they're doing. Yeah, so just to like key in on the Raptors, um, going into the bubble, I really thought because I'm not that high on the Bucks, I I was really thinking that there's a over fifty percent chance that the Eastern Conference champion could be a three through six seed mm-hmm. this year, mainly because I I'm just not high on the Bucks. Um, I think the Heat could upset the Bucks. I think the Celtics have the capacity to upset the Bucks if the Sixers had Simmons. I think they could have upset the Bucks. Um, the Raptors have really proven me wrong, and I really thought the Raptors were just going to be an easy out for the Celtics second round because I just didn't believe in Pascal Siakam being the number one guy. But I've watched, I think, all but one of the Raptors' bubble games to this point, and their defense is absolutely absurd. And the fact that they have this – I think it's the same winning percentage at this point in the season as last year when they had Kawhi. Yeah, they just yeah. won their 50th game. Yeah, yeah, that's that's absolutely absurd. Mm-hmm. I gotta and, say, and, and like it really speaks to Nick Nurse. Sorry to cut you off. It just really right, speaks to uh, Nick Nurse as a quality coach. I think. Um, definitely. I I don't think anyone is in disagreement there. I I just want to say I feel a little a little vindicated here because I remember a specific segment that we had on the first episode that we did together, where I said that I I think we in general and basketball fans in general are very prone to underestimating the Bucs. Um, like I said back then, it does. they don't have a lot of star-studded players or a star-studded roster on their team, but they're annoying as all hell to play against. Sure. <laughs> uh, Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry, I believe, were top five in deflections all year. Um, they, they break out different zone defenses at times. They, they, they're just a really tough-nosed, hard team to play against and you go into a game with the Raptors and you know you're getting beat up mm-hmm. and um yeah. like I said I I think we're just always very prone to underrating them and I do think that they definitely could make another run this year 
Yeah, so just one thing, just one key statistic I just saw. Obviously, this is going back partially to before the bubble, but just talking about how some teams like really benefit from coming, going into the playoffs hot. Um, looking at every single team in the league, their last 10 games, there's only one team that has won eight of their last 10. Oh, no. That That is the Raptors. Yeah. Hmm. And, and just looking, also looking at those key statistics, the Bucks are three and seven in their last ten, which is very interesting. Obviously, they've rested the players in a couple of games, but yeah, I, I mean, they haven't they haven't looked that great. The Bucks. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't go so far as to say they look bad, which isn't what you said, but I mean, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like, I just don't know what it is for them. I don't know what needs to click, what kind of chemistry thing, what sort of like systemic thing that the coach needs to address. It's odd. What is yeah, their record at the bubble right now? I know you think three it's and seven, four and ten, but I think it's, I want to say it's like three and two. Three and two. So yeah, that's terrible. Um, they've obviously played a lot of uh, like the the Rockets game was yeah, just a slugfest. That that game was fun to watch, but yeah, they played some tough. And then like the Nets, they them. rest player, they rested players. I was really liking my Bucks take when they were down to the Heat by 20 when the Heat didn't have Butler or Dragic. Yeah. But then I guess they turned up in the fourth. Yeah. And, and, that, and was in foul thing. trouble. When, when you have Giannis on your team, there's always a second fl- uh, switch that can be flipped. And yeah. that's what's going to be scary um, in the playoffs. I, I don't know if we – I haven't been keeping track of it. But I don't know if there's, they've still been limiting Giannis's minutes even in the games that he has been playing. I know they rested him against the Nets, but I, I didn't see what his minute count was in the Rockets game. But I, I still think there is potential for him to play more minutes than he did in the regular season, and that makes them possibly even more devastating than they were in the regular season. Yeah, and I'm not particularly worried about any of the teams who have the superstars players who have switches, that being the Lakers with LeBron, uh, Giannis with the Bucks, Kawhi with the Clippers. Like, obviously, I'm not high on the Bucks to begin with, but I haven't. I'm not reacting to the bubble play right now, especially when they clinched home court. Even though the home court doesn't matter, but they did clinch the one seed through the playoffs. Yeah, I wonder if the Lakers way to make it matter. The the Lakers situation is interesting to me because I understand all that. I, I I know they have clinched and everything, but. Even then, like LeBron and AD themselves haven't been playing that great. Like, like no, I said, LeBron, LeBron played well last night, but yeah, 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 at the same time. Yeah, AD has had insane games, but he also has those two single-digit games in the bubble. So, um, I said this in in the group that we talk about basketball in the the text chat or whatever. But what when LeBron and AD both aren't on their shit that they struggle to generate offense. And I still think they have some lineup issues that they need to figure out. Um, the The Rondo minute or the Rondo rotations all year were not that great. And I know they don't have Rondo now, but I wonder what happens when he comes back. I, I don't know if they slot him back in or if they keep him out of the rotation and play more AD at the five, which I think is what everyone wants to see. Is he coming back? Yeah, apparently he's coming back. Yeah, oh. he he relocated to Florida, and oh, okay. um, I don't think he's back in the bubble yet, but he's rehabbing close to the bubble. So when when he is ready to get back with the team, he can start quarantining and uh, rejoin the team. Then I don't know when the exact timetable is, but I think he will be back for at least parts of the playoffs. So I know this season is different for a lot of reasons, but I feel like for the past, I don't know, like. 15 years 
we have all just kind of like fallen fallen into this trap with LeBron led teams in like 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 the last like ten to fifteen games of the season where like they're not really having their foot on the gas and he's and LeBron is conserving energy. Obviously that's different because they're in the bubble and they've had this time off, but um it's like I can't imagine them not being successful in the playoffs. If they if they get bounced prior to the Western Conference Finals, I'd be dumbfounded. I mean, yeah, that would be an insane disappointment for the roster that they put together and their aspirations for this year. But like I said, I, I just think they still have some stuff to figure out. Um, and I don't know if they'll be playing LeBron and AD starters minutes for the rest of the games to try to figure that stuff out. We may see a, a slowish start to the first series the first playoff series. Yeah. Um, I, I don't anticipate that them being drastically hurt by that. But if, I mean, if it winds up being the Blazers there, there's people that think the Blazers could really give them some problems. So oh, I guess we'll yeah. see. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good like segue to our next segment. Um, just like of the team, the, the teams who are trying to get that last ace spot. And so you have the Blazers, the Suns and Spurs who have all played really, really well. Um, the Suns obviously being the only undefeated team in the bubble. Um, Naturally. Devin Booker, yeah, <laughs> Devin Booker for the first time in his career won four games in a row. He's at now, now it's five. That, uh, um, that's just an insane stat. Like, I can't even begin to comprehend that in my head yeah. for a, a player as good as Devin Booker to never have a four-game winning streak in his career. Um, so, I mean, before we go into individually those three teams, I just want – just like a, you don't have to go in depth, but who do you think comes out of the, out of the, I guess the play in scenario. So right now the Grizzlies are up a game on the Blazers and a game and a half on the Suns and the Spurs. The Spurs are up nine with 40 seconds left. So um, we're going to assume the Spurs win and the Grizzlies, I believe are just about, and the Grizzlies just lost. Yep. I'm sorry if you hear my dog crying in the background, by the way. (laughs) We don't. Okay. Okay. Um. So. So it's not going to so be the mean, Grizzlies. Uh, so the Grizzlies are going to be. So it's Grizzlies are an eighth. Spurs and Trailblazers are a half game behind, and the Suns are a full game behind. So we so, we thought, like at least I thought that the the race for the eight and nine seed in the West was going to be fun, and and somehow it's gotten even more fun than I thought it was going to be headed into it. Thanks to the Suns. I, yeah, I don't think anyone anticipated the Suns making a push for the nine seed and the, the uh, for the play-in game. Um, I personally didn't even see the Spurs getting anywhere close to the eight or nine seed, and well, they're well. they're firmly in the mix. Um, I, I guess people thought it. And I guess I would fall in this category too. People thought it was just going to be the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. Um, I fell in that category. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. the Triple J injury really hurts the Grizzlies. Not that they had played that well, um, even with him in the bubble, but it, it definitely hurts their chance even for a playing game. Um, the Blazers look like a brand new team with Nurkic back. They're definitely scary. I actually think they're the, like. For the Lakers to draw them in the first round would be so unlucky because in a normal year for the Blazers, I think they could have been like a four or five seed caliber team and they're going to be playing in the one eight matchup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess this would be kind of considered a bold prediction, but I mean, just based off recency bias, but I think the Spurs are going to get the eighth seed. 
just because I've learned my lesson probably five or six times over the course Can't of my up. NBA fandom that literally every single year I count them out, which I count them out this year. Once they like we're going to the bubble, however many games they were behind. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember counting them out the year after they lost to Miami in the championship. The next year they won the championship. The year after that, or there was another year where I thought they just weren't going to be in playoff contention. They ended up with like a six seed or something. I mean, they they literally have never not been in the playoffs while I, we've been born since we've been born. Um, right now they're tied for the record for consecutive playoff appearances at twenty two. So this one would make it twenty three. Insanity. Um, uh, yeah, I I've learned my lesson. I'm just never going to bet against the Spurs ever. And all, and all it took for them to really get going here was uh, starting Demar Derozan as their power forward. Yeah, they start two point guards and two shooting guards. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of unheard of. Like you you hear about teams going small ball where you have maybe a power usually a power forward playing center and a, a second small forward playing in the power forward position. I mean, DeMar DeRozan is how tall? 6'6"? Six, six? Somewhere in there. Seven. Yeah, I mean, you have a 6'7 guy who's – I mean, he's he mainly played small forward for the Spurs, but for the majority of his career, he is a shooting guard. You have a 6'7 shooting guard all-star playing in the power forward position where all these guards are playing extremely well. That's a very hard team to defend. I mean, Derek White, his bubble stats right now are 21 points per game, five rebounds, six assists. He's shooting 45% from three. I mean, that's just a that's a really rough team to try and defend. And obviously the Spurs just play great basketball and their 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 system of passing the ball and just getting into the pain, making the extra pass. He's I mean, also four guards on the court is even more deadly. So I, I think the Spurs end up getting it. I think the Spurs will probably end up finishing just based on their uh remaining schedule, they'll probably get the nine and probably have to play I guess it would be Blazers Spurs. Um, uh, Derek White is also shooting more threes than he ever has in his career. Finally. I think he's had two or three of his highest volume shooting games from three in the bubble in his in his entire career. So I mean, the Spurs, uh, ever since uh, they got Lamarcus and Demar together, have just really shied away from shooting the three ball, and it's been to their detriment. They've been really close to of to being out of playoff contention for the past two years now. And they're still having to claw and fight their way back in. But now they're finally embracing the three ball. Welcome to 2014, Greg Popovich. Um, and it's working. I, I just really hope it's not the Spurs, though, man. I don't know what it is about this team. I love Greg Popovich and all. I can't say enough good things about him. But I, I just don't – I'm not a fan of this team. Like, Oh, for, yeah. From an entertainment the purpose. Be so much better. The Blazers is the best option. The yeah. Suns would be a fun story. Um, Grizzlies, if they had Jaron Jackson, I'd prefer them, but they don't. I'd rather it be the Grizzlies. I'd rather it be the Pelicans. I'd rather it be the Suns. I'd rather it be the Blazers. Like, I'd really rather it be anyone that's in, in the hunt. I, I just don't find, like, DeJounte Murray and Derek White, they're not great offensive players. They're fine. Um, they're very stout defenders, which is obviously good and translates to wins, but it doesn't always translate into the most fun brand of basketball to watch. And I know they are playing – at a faster pace now, they're shooting more threes. But I, I don't know, man. I've watched a couple of bubble games, and I'm, I just have a hard time getting through them sometimes. The Lakers will trounce the Spurs in the first round. It will not be close. The Lakers will trounce anyone except the Blazers. I think the Blazers could probably get. I think, I think it probably goes five with another 
game going like very close. So may, maybe six. So are we totally counting out both the Grizzlies and the Pelicans now? Yes. Or are we just um, absolutely? The, well, the Pelicans are about to lose. Which puts um, them out of the, the game. I, I think this I'll, loss I'll, puts the Pelicans out of the race flat out. I, like mathematically. Um, I don't think they mathematically eliminates them. I saw um, no, because they're only going to be they're only going to be a game and a half behind the Spurs, and the Spurs are a nine. I oh, saw. So I don't think they're eliminated yet. Uh, HP Hardwood Paroxysm on Twitter was tweeting that it, it's not a must-win game for them, but it's a really help if they win yeah. game. Um, I, I I still think it'll be a little difficult for the Grizzlies to fall out of at least the play-in game because right now they still, yeah. they still have a full game on the Blazers. Yeah, actually, I I probably want to revise my take on who's going to be the play-in game because I forgot I did see a tweet earlier this morning that the Grizzlies win. They're act they're actually clinched a a play-in game. So they'd okay. be either they or the nine. So actually, yeah. I do I do take that back. So Grizzlies will be one of the teams. So I guess I I guess I have Grizzlies Spurs. I mean, it's um, definitely still possible that the Grizzlies lose out and and don't wind up in the play-in game. I don't know what yeah. the rest of their schedule looks like, to be honest. Yeah, I'm about um, to look at the rest of their schedule. I think that what do they only have two more games, right? So I guess that I guess I guess it is very possible they don't make it. Um, they oh god, Celtics Bucks. Oh, that's tough. Uh, we could um, wind up seeing either of those teams um, resting players. So it, it's yeah. possible, but it's obviously not the situation you want to be in if you're the Grizzlies after the season that you had. I mean, it, it's kind of unfortunate that the Grizzlies could and may wind up going out this way because they really did put together a fantastic season. Um, they got really quality minutes from their rookies. Jaron Jackson the third really grew as a player, and their uh, coaching staff definitely – Who's, what's the name of the coach again? Taylor Jenkins, right? I think he should have gotten uh, more credit in the coach of the year conversation because I believe going into the season, the Grizzlies had one of, if not the lowest Vegas win totals for yeah. a year and wound up making or almost making it to the playoffs. And obviously the Jaron Jackson injury hurts them and any chance that they had in the playoffs to begin with. But yeah, I mean, if you recall our previous conversation, um, like we were so looking forward to Bucks Lakers first round, we were uh, yeah. so they, sad that because they they really were a fun team. That I mean, oh, they yeah. still are a fun team, but Jaron Jackson is obviously such a big part of that, and mm. to take that away and have them struggle like they have in the bubble, they're not. I feel like they're not playing with the same confidence, which is to be expected. They're a young, young team. team. They're inexperienced, yeah. Exactly. And, and it's an Perhaps unprecedented situation. That... And, they, like, they were in a rhythm beforehand, too, that they got, that they got out of. It just, yeah, it just it's, it's really unfortunate. That, yeah. that, that was the overall point that I was trying to make. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do going forward. I would have liked to see them in, too. But I also feel like Ja hasn't played as well as he was before the bubble. I think he's had some... He's been shooting very well. efficient game. From yeah. Yeah, he, his total... Her game stats, I think, are similar, but I think his efficiency is pretty down. But uh, all right, I just want to say thanks for you guys coming on talking about this. Um, as everyone knows, everyone who comes on has a hot take or a fun fact uh, before we leave. So, Liam, if you want to start us off. Sure. So I, I will um, stick with my theme of bringing up Thunder stats since <laughs> I, I am a Thunder fan. Uh, this is courtesy of Yaya Dubin on Twitter. 
here's a list of players who, at age 34 or older, average at least 17.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, and 6.5 and assists per game since the ABA-NBA merger in 1976. Chris Paul, 2019-2020. LeBron James, 2019-2020. Larry Bird, 1990-1991. That's the whole list. Oh, that's crazy. Two of them were in the same year. Mm. <laughs> All right, Alex? Um... TJ Warren will be a top 15 NBA player next season. I will not defend this. <laughs> and I'm not reading replies. I hate you. <laughs> Him and Gary uh, Trump Jr. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how to respond to that. Um, I already kind of gave away mine earlier. I have Spurs making the playoffs. Not the play in the playoffs. Like they're going to be the eighth seed. They're going to be available. It's gonna be a very, I, I, I guess I guess essentially I'm predicting a very boring first round matchup for the one eight seed. Oh, I want it to be um, the Sun so bad. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, who I hope it is? I don't know who I actually hope it is. I, I hope it's I the hope Blazers, it's the Blazers. Man. I guess I hope it's the Blazers. I do want to see Devin Booker in the playoffs. So if I had to make um, it a make a prediction, I would say it would be the Blazers. I think they're playing ridiculous right now, and the. The emergence of Gary Trent Jr. I know this is delving off into another thing when we're supposed to be wrapping up the episode, but um, Gary Trent Jr. is shooting 63% from three and averaging 21 points per game in the bubble. Hilarious. And <laughs> they're, the, the big concern I had with them in, during the season was that their wing play wasn't very good. They got rid of all their wings in the offseason. But him emerging makes them a real threat. They had injuries so. too, but yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right, All right, thank guys. you for having Thanks us. Thanks for being on. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank first repeat guests. First repeat oh, yeah. guests. Yeah, it'll, it'll be it'll be great to see uh, how this uh, season uh, uh, unfolds, and I'm sure I'll have you guys back on soon. It sounds right. good. Catch you later. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the One Bucket Podcast. Please make sure to follow us on Twitter at One Bucket PC.